0: I don't think there's any question about it. Um, About, what was it, Pastor? About five years ago, something like that. I sat down with a pastor. In fact, we sat down at Sonny's. And um, something was just really a heavy, heavy burden on my heart. And it um, it was for America. It was for our nation. And I saw the direction our nation was going. In fact, for years, I have seen the decline of our nation. And I sat down with a pastor and I said, I, this is just something that's really a burden to me. And, and I, wanna, I wanna start an organization called the Nehemiah Project. We changed the name to Nehemiah Plan, uh, just to keep um, it coming to people thinking it was the wrong organization or whatever. And anyway, um, we started that organization. I would have never known where that was going to take me and I would never have known um, the the situation that our nation is in today compared to um, even five years ago. I never knew that it was going to go in the direction that was going to go this rapidly. Um, If you would take your Bibles tonight and turn to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7, this is a very, very well-known passage, Um, but I want to um, kind of just give you a perspective for where our nation is tonight uh, from this passage, 2 Chronicles 7. And just out of respect for the word of God, I would ask if you would um, stand when you get that passage, 2 Chronicles 7. We're gonna start in 2 Chronicles 7.1. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the Lord, the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement, and worshipped, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Then I'm going to go to, uh, to verse 12. Verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have covenant with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up from the roots out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which... I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight and I will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house which is high shall be a, a astonishment to everyone that passeth by so that he shall say, why hath the Lord done this unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and lay hold on other gods, and worship them, and serve them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I ask you uh, tonight that you will uh, work your word, Lord, amongst your people tonight. Lord, I just pray that everything is done and said will honor and glorify you tonight, I pray, Lord, that I will not say anything that you would not have me say. Lord, I do pray um, that your word will go forth um, very clearly, Lord. I pray, Lord, that um, we will realize, Lord, the state that our nation is in. I pray, Lord, that we will um, have the plan, Lord, that's laid out in your word um, to remedy, Lord, the sickness that our nation has. Lord, I ask this in your holy, precious name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday, we we celebrated Independence Day. And we celebrated it. Um, I know at my house, uh, fireworks were going to probably about two or three o'clock in the morning. Now, not at my house, I was trying to sleep at that point. But uh, they, were, they were going off for, for quite a while that t- last night. Yesterday was a 244th um, birthday that our nation has experienced, the most prosperous country that the world has probably ever seen. I'll never miss an opportunity to establish the principles that this constitutional republic was founded, and it was actually founded on the word of God. Now you'll have, and I was trying to figure out the best word for this, you'll have the ungodly, or I could say you would have the liberals they would tell you something totally different than what I'm going to tell you tonight. But in fact, this Constitutional Republic was indeed found upon the Word of God. And not only was the Constitution founded upon that, but also the Bill of Rights. And both of them reference God. And our Founding Fathers also made this very, very clear. No one can deny that our Founding Fathers were deep men of religious, convictions based on the Bible and the faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, over half of the ones that signed the Declaration of Independence, over half of them had either seminary degrees or Bible school degrees. Over half of them had those. See these founding fathers, we can also tell these, our founding fathers by the quotes that they would make during the time that they were serving this great nation. And I'm going to give you a few of those that may you may have not heard in recent times, or you may never heard. One of them was come from George Washington. This is what he said: While we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and sh- soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. Now, let me explain something. When our founding fathers said religion, you know, we we when we hear that word religion, it's like okay, it, it could be you know, it could be Christianity, it could be Hinduism, it could be fill in the blank. That is not what our founding fathers were referring to. When they were referring to the word religion, it was always Christianity. Now, there could be denominations within that, but it was always referred to as Christianity. And George Washington went on to say this, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the, to the distinguished character of the patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of the name Christian. That was George Washington. John Adams said this. He was our second president and also the signer of Declaration of Independence. Suppose a nation in some distant re- region should take the Bible for their only law book and every member shall regulate his conduct by the precepts that were exhibited, every member would be obliged to conscience, to temperance, to frugality and industry, to justice, to kindness and charity toward his fellow men, and to piety and love and reverence toward Almighty God. What a utopia, what a paradise would this region region be. That was John Adams, our second president. He went on to say this, Now I will avow that then believe and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God and that those principles of liberty are unalterable as human nature in our terrestrial mundane system. That was John Adams. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was our third president. You see a a pattern going on here? Thomas Jefferson was our third pattern. He was also the drafter and the signer of the declaration of independence, and this is what he said. God who gave us life gave us liberty, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath, indeed i tremble for my country when i reflect that god is just and his justice cannot sleep forever he went on to say this i am a real christian this is to say i am a disciple of the doctrines of jesus christ see thomas jefferson by the liberals or the ungodly groups have pointed as thomas jefferson as being a deist um there is a book it's a, faci- um, a facsimile of, a, um, of writings of Thomas Jefferson. That's the book I'm referring to. And the book is that he wrote, it was actually a devotional. It was a personal devotional that he wrote for himself. Okay, now this is a guy that did not believe in God and he was a deist, according to the liberals. But in, within that, he wrote, he would cut out Um, from the three Gospels he would cut out specific teachings of Jesus Christ and that was a study that he was doing and he actually put it and devised it in a book. It wasn't to, to publish, it wasn't to send out to anybody, it was his own personal devotions that Thomas Jefferson actually put together. Now, am I saying Thomas Jefferson was perfect? I am not. Am I saying I'm perfect? I am not. Am I saying you are perfect? You are not. But he had a principle, and he understood who his creator was. He understood who his God was, and he understood how this nation was built. You see, our liberals also say, well, Thomas Jefferson also had a Quran, and he would use the Quran. Let me tell you the story about that Quran that Thomas Jefferson had. He did have one. He went over to Tripoli because, because pirates were hijacking and they were committing terrorist acts against United States interests, specifically our our ships. And so what he did is he went over to Tripoli to try to figure out what is going on here? Why are these people, um, taking our, chi- our, our, our ships, why are they doing this? And why are they killing our sailors? So he got a copy of the Quran, he took it back and he read it from cover to cover. And as soon as Thomas Jefferson, at that time, he was, um, he was the Secretary of State, and right after that he became president, one of the first things he did is he sent in the Marines. Now that's what Thomas Jefferson did and that's what he thought about the Quran because he knew the issues that the Quran had and how it had had imprisoned a whole group of people to commit heinous crimes against the United States interest. Then you have another person by the name of Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin was another signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was another one that liberals would call was a deist. Again, at best, Franklin was actually a close friend of a guy by the name of George Whitfield. In fact, he was by Benjamin Franklin was responsible for doing all the printing for George Whitfield. George Whitfield was a great evangelist during that time um, and he would would travel all over I'm um, having revivals all over the place many times Benjamin Franklin would be there at those revival meetings was Was Benjamin Franklin a believer or a Christian? I I have no idea. I can count for myself, I don't know that. But this is what Benjamin Franklin said. Here's my creed, I'm quoting, here's my creed. I believe in one God, the creed of the universe, he that governs it by his providence, that he ought to be worshiped, Benjamin Franklin. I would question how many churches would take a stand that strong. He also went on to say this, that the most acceptable service we render to him, meaning almighty God, is in doing good to his other children, that the soul of man is immortal and will be treated with justice in another life, respecting its conduct in this. These I take to be fundamental points in all sound religion, and I regard them as you do in whatever sect I meet with them. He's referring to different Christian denominations. Then he goes on to say this, as to Jesus of Nazareth, my opinion to whom you particularly desire, I think the system of morals and his religion is as he left them to us, is the best the world ever saw or is likely to see. Benjamin Franklin, Samuel Adams, another signer of the Declaration of Independence and the father of the American Revolution. He said this, "It is our duty to extend our wishes to the happiness of the great family of man. I conceive that we cannot better express ourselves by the by humbly supplicating the supreme ruler." That means that means God Almighty of the world <clears throat> that the rod of tyrants may be broken to pieces and the oppress may be made free again, that wars may cease on all the earth, and that the confusions that are and have among the nations be overruled by the promoting and speedy bringing on to the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll give you a couple more. James Madison, he said this, he was the fourth president, a watchful eye must be kept on ourselves, lest that we are building a deal ideal monuments of renown and bliss, here we neglect to have our names enrolled in the annals of heaven. And then John Quincy Adams, our sixth president. The hope of a Christian is inseparable from his faith. Whoever believes in the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, Scriptures must hope that the religion of Jesus shall prevail throughout the earth. I'll just take a side note. I would love for the churches in America to be able to take that position, that the holy scriptures are divine, right. and he goes on to say, and may the association distribution of the Bible proceed, the prosper, proceed and prosper, till the Lord shall have made bear His holy arms and eyes of all nations in the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. What he's doing is he's saying that the word of God has to be distributed through all the world. Our president, sixth president of the United States, made that comment. And then William Penn. William Penn was a founder of, of Pennsylvania. He says this, I do declare the whole world that we believe the scriptures to contain a declaration of the mind and will of God and to those ages in which we have written, being given forth the Holy Ghost, moving in the hearts of holy men of God, that ought also to be read, believed, fulfilled in our day, being used for reproof and instruction, that the man of God may be perfect. Hmm, it seems sounds like he's quoting something to me. You ever heard that before? There are a declaration and testimony of heavenly things themselves, and as such, we carry a high respect for them. We accept them as the words of God himself. And I could read this on and on and on. I will mention Patrick Henry. I cannot be emphasized, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often, often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this is the very people, this is the very reason peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom to worship here. The Bible, he goes on to say the Bible is a book worth more than all other books that were ever printed. And I could go on and on and on tonight and give you case after case. But before I get into the scripture tonight, I'm starting to, I haven't got, this is the introduction. Are you all okay okay with that so far? John Hancock. Now, John Hancock was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. How many people have heard, I'll put my John Hancock on this? It's because his signature was so big because he wanted the king to know John Hancock. And throughout the ages, we know John Hancock. We may not know what he believed, but we know John Hancock. He said this, resistance to tyranny becomes the Christian and social duty of each individual. individual. Continue steadfast, and with a proper sense of your dependence on God, nobly defend those rights which God gave, and no man ought to take from us. John Hancock wrote that. You see in scriptures here, in 2 Chronicles, David had had just recently passed away, he had died, and Solomon, his son, had become become king. God had instructed Solomon to build the temple. Um, David was not instructed to do that, but David got a lot of the supplies so that when Solomon came um, into office, that he would um, be about building uh, the temple of God. We see in 2 Corinthians that God gave Solomon some very, very clear instructions on the conduct of the nation of Israel. Tonight, I'm gonna give you three things that we can get by paralleling the nation of Israel to America from God's word. Now, many times I'll have people tell me, well, this is Old Testament stuff, you know, or they'll say, well, you know, that was um, just some history about the nation of Israel. Well, number one is it's the word of God. Whether it's the Old Testament or New Testament, it's the infallible word of God. And there's a reason that God put it in his word for a common man to be able to read it and understand it. There was a purpose of this. Do you think the purpose was just for some historical information? It was not. The purpose of this is God was trying to tell us something. He was trying to tell us something about this nation, about where we are today. And this is what the points that I wanna bring out. Number one is, it's time to realize America is really sick. And it's also time to realize and to seek out the great physician. If you go to uh, verse 13, this is what God says. I will shut up heaven. If I shut up heaven, there will be no rain. If I command the locusts to devour the, the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Friend and I, America is in great, great trouble. America needs a healer. And I'm just gonna mention COVID. I was never even gonna bring this up, but COVID is destroying the economics of our nation. It is destroying our military readiness. It's destroying our nation from within. And it's something that it's obvious that nobody knows how to figure out or control. It's pestilence. Number one is it's time to realize America's sick and it's time to seek out the great physician. The second point I wanna bring out tonight is America, when you're sick, not only you need to seek out the great physician, but you also need to take the great physician's instructions. If I was sick tonight, which I'm not, I don't think, I would, I would want to go to the doctor. I mean, the very first thing is I, I need to go to the doctor. I'm, I'm sick, especially with COVID going on. I mean, the first place you want to go is let's find out what's going on. Let's go get tested to find out what's going on. And then you go see the doctor and he gives you a list of, of things to do. He gives you a prescription. He gives you a list of things that you do. Now, you've got, you went to the doctor. He told you you were sick and he's given you directions on how to get well. You've got two options. You either can heed what the doctor has told you and try to get well by the instructions that he's given you Or you can say, no, no, you know, I'm not really interested in that. That medicine is really nasty tasting and you're not gonna stick one of those Q-tips up up, all the way up my sinuses. I'm just not gonna do that. Um, and, And so you have a choice, you can do that. America is making a choice right now. And the choice that America is making is they are thumbing their nose up at an almighty God and saying, I um, am going to do this on my own, I don't care. You see, our nation is really, really sick. In verse 14, it says this, if my people, these are the instructions for for America, these are the instructions, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. I'm gonna go, and I, this is a popular verse. I've heard it many, many times. It's all over, especially right now. Um, social media, etc. cetera. And it's a very, very relevant verse, but I'm gonna break this verse down a little bit tonight. First of all, the very first thing, and this is the instructions of healing. This is the the doctor's instructions. The great, great physician. If my people. If my people. You see, it's not if those ungodly people. He didn't say that. He said, if my people. Now, here's the question. Who is my people? What is God referring to? If my people. Well, I've, we got a coach, Coach Mac, back there. I'm gonna, pull, I'm gonna single you out, brother. <clears throat> if, if Coach Mac has a basketball team, do you have a basketball team this year? Yeah. Okay, so we'll make sure. If you have a basketball team uh, going on this year, then you're gonna have a team. It's whose team is it? It's, it's your team, right? How do you know the people on your team? Well, the, one of the ways you would know who's on your team is they would ask to be on your team, okay? And there's criteria that would make you on your team. But it's now your team. You have ownership in your team. If your team wins, who won? Your team did, didn't it? Or if your team lost, who lost? It's your team. Oh, it's somebody else's team. Okay, I got it. (laughs) It's your team. Tonight, I would challenge you with this. Are you on God's team? Are you on God's team? If my people, who are called by my name, if God isn't calling you by your name, you may not be on God's team. You may be very patriotic. You may be, um, you know, you you may be a, a conservative, a constitutional conservative. But if you're not on God's team, There's no way that our nation can come together in in healing. You're not part of this. You're not part of this. See, God didn't say if the ungodly and give directions for the ungodly or the people that's not on God's team. He's talking about us. He's talking about the church, folks. That's who he's talking about. If my people who are called by my name The second thing is, shall humble themselves. Shall humble themselves. That means total repentance and humility before a holy God. Church, Christians have a hard time of being humble. We have a hard time with that. Because we have everything life has to offer. We live in America. We have a car. We go and get food. Anybody hungry, we'll go get food. There's a place to go. We have everything that we think we need. The problem is, is we need a savior and we absolutely forget that. Shall humble themselves. Total repentance of humility. The church has been missing in action for years. I'm being gut honest. They've been missing in action for years. We figure out how to create a crowd, but we don't. We forget what the purpose is. We forget what the message is. We forget who God is. And the next one is we the people. The next part of that those instructions is pray and pray. And I will ask you this, church, how much time do you actually spend in prayer? How much time do you spend in prayer? See, Christians today, they think that prayer is some kind of a Santa list. You know, you, that you, you, know, you check off, you know, for Christmas time. Okay, this is what I want, Santa. And then you, you make this little list. So we pray that way. We sit down and say, okay, Lord, thank you for the food, um, even though I don't really like that food. Um, but thank you for the food. And, oh, yeah, I want to pray for um, somebody's health and, and, you know, keep me healthy and make sure I stay financially strong. Um, amen. That's not what God's talking about here. That's not what God's talking about. Pray, pray. How much time do you spend time in prayer? You're praying to the God of the universe. You're praying to the almighty, holy, righteous one. The one that created you. The one that created this world into existence. The one that has allowed America to sustain itself as long as it has without judging it but how much time do we actually spend on our knees before a holy God and begging him for 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 our nation? And then the next one is, and seek my face. And seek my face. Church, do we really seek the heart of God? Or we have we turn church into a commercial entity? Do we really seek the heart of God? Are we so in tune with the heart of God that we know what His will is for us and our families in this nation? Do we really, really know that? Many years ago, there was a um, there was a guy that was traveling around. He was an evangelist. He was traveling around with John R. Rice. John R. Rice was, um, he was a, um, he was an evangelist, very, very well known in many circles. Um, and this guy was just a. St- astonished by John R. Rice he was mesmerized by this man he was taking notes on everything John R. Rice would do and in his meetings and when he got you know came out of the meetings and, and whatever well he was actually rooming with John R. Rice and he sat down one night and he was like okay I'm gonna you know this is going to be interesting I want to watch this man pray you know this is going to be this awesome I'm going to watch how this man prays this is a, you know he is a, a, a world-renowned evangelist I want to see how he hey, reaches out to God so John Arias got done, he got done, got ready for bed, and he goes, good night, Lord. And he got in bed and he went to bed. And this guy was like, wait a second. I mean, this is like one of the greatest evangelists of all times, and this guy just said, good night, Lord. So the next morning, he went to him, he said, I, I just, I have to ask you. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm troubled by this. All, all you said is good night, Lord, and I, I don't understand when you, when you prayed last night. He goes, Sonny, if you have been talking to God all day, that's all you've got left. That's all you've got left. And I thought about that. The Bible says pray without ceasing. What do we do? What do we do? Do we really lift our, our, our nation up? Um, because see, the last line of defense, and that was the, one, of the, one of the parts of the message. What is the last line of defense? It's the church it's the church this is what god's word says it's a church and it goes on to say this seek my face and then the next one is and turn from their wicked ways a lot of times we got we've got a lot of this figured out you know we can do this but now you're kind of stepping on toes randy you got to say you're turning from your wicked ways and i'm talking about a hard turn I'm not talking about one of these like you know 10 degree turns. I'm talking about a 180 degree turn. You turn from your wicked ways. Church, are, are we? Have we done that? I don't really think we have. In fact, I can just say we haven't, because the sins of the world. Are just as prevalent in the church as they are in the world. So, what makes us different? What makes us different? Turn from our wicked ways. That's a hundred and eighty degree turn. And then the next point of this is, is, is then will I hear from heaven? When I was a um, when I was going to school, this is, I'm dating myself, and there's a couple people would recognize this. You ever heard of basic programming? How many people's heard that term, basic programming? Yeah, all of us older people know that. Well, basic programming, it, it would have different commands. This is computer programming, this is like really basic. It was if then, if then scenarios. In fact, I think Excel still uses some type of a if then command. So if this happens, then this will happen. If this happens, then this will happen. And this is what God is doing here. If my people, if my people who call by my name will do all this stuff, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And then point number three is this. America, if you ignore the great physician's antidote, then you will be destroyed. Go to verse 19. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my commands, which I have set before you, and ye shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them in this house, which I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. So there's two if-thens. If you repent and turn, then I'll hear from heaven. But if you turn away, then I will destroy your nation. You see, America... The church is indeed the last line of defense. It's the last line of defense. Do you know why Marxists hate the church? You know why? Because it takes the government as the God and it changes it to the God of the universe. That's the reason they hate them. You know why patriots were always Christians? You know why communist countries would always come after the Christians? It wasn't because they were passive, by the way. It was because they knew whose they were. And they knew that they had a higher calling than a a government, than a repressive government. What's going on in our nation today is is frightening we have Marxists that have come out in every way in every shape and form um, in attacking this great nation our nation indeed is crumbling in fact if you look at some of the things that are going on in our nation is for example our nation is bankrupt is financially bankrupt it's been that way for a good long time, but we keep spending more and more money. Okay, if, if, you, were, if you were in the situation, financial situation our nation's in, it's, it's, it's not recoverable. It's not recoverable. Even a great, great economy cannot pull us out of this debt, load that we're in. It's financially crumbling. It's morally crumbling. Over 60 million lives of our nation's babies have been taken. 60 million. Families are crumbling. The birth rates, even with 60 million lives being taken and by abortion, the birth rate, rate of unwed mothers is 40%. That is financially, set everything else aside, that's financially unsustainable for our social services and our government. It's financially unsustainable. Our education system is bankrupt. People running for office, you've got a lot of work, man. I'm just saying, you've got a lot of work. Our education system's bankrupt. Um, and if you don't believe me, just take a look at the riots going around in our country. See, our education system, they removed God from the classroom and they replaced and they removed God from the uh, from the classroom, and they replaced it with another God. It's God called evolution. That's what they did. And as a result of that, because now that they've taught evolution for so many years, now young people are not, made in the image of God, they're animals. And they need to act like animals. And we can't help it because they act like animals. That's what's happened. And then we have liberal professors in just about every university in this country, especially secular university. And, and I would challenge you if you don't believe that, go over here to CF. I'm gonna get in trouble on that statement. but I'm sorry, it's just true. It's just true. And they have taught our young people Marxist ideologies. Not only have they taught them evolution and how to be animals, but now they've taught them Marxist ideologies. This stuff didn't come just by mere happenstance. This was education for years and years and years. And I know what I'm talking about. Our three branches of government are bankrupt. We now have a Supreme Court that doesn't know how to stay in their lane. That's a young person's term. You see how I did there, Kevin? Stay in your lane, bro. They don't know how to stay in their lane, and now they decide that they're going to legislate law, and nobody is stopping them, church. You're not stopping them. If there was a revival in church across America, and churches stood up and said, we have had enough, we are no longer going to tolerate the Supreme Court making law on abortions. We are not going to put up with a Supreme Court making a decision who can get married or not. We're not going to allow the Supreme Court to do that anymore. If churches across America would stand up, it would be game over. But we have to stand up. We have to stand up. Charles Finney. I'm going to close with this. Charles Finney, Finney, Charles Finney was a great evangelist. He was during the Great Awakening It was early in our nation's history, and this is what he said. If there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public lacks, if the public press lacks moral discernment, you think that's going on today? (laughs) They don't know what moral means. The pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is, Degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in Christianity, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in the halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. 1 Peter 4.17 says this, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Church, and I'm not talking about just this church, I'm talking about the churches in America. The spiritual war has been going on for many years in America. This is not just all of a sudden happened. It's been going on for years. You can't get an organization of a bunch of Marxist um, thugs overnight. And oh, by the way, our pol- many of our politicians are allowing this to happen. They're allowing it to happen because they want to see the fall of America. I believe that with all my heart. See, the spiritual war has been going on for many years in America. And we are now at the brink of losing this nation forever. The battle lines are drawn, and we must not treat- retreat. Because, see, it's the church's time to hold that line and that line and that time is now. Psalms 11:3 says this, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Let's pray.